Welcome to the More Than More podcast, education edition, where we help you build a better business. All right. Hello, everyone. We are here today for another education episode. I have got Brooke Yupa with me today, and we are going to be discussing um, financial survival business basics. So we kind of want this to be a summary of her four-part course that she teaches, but really we want anybody to be able to listen to this and walk away um, with the kind of the essentials that they need to start building their business in a smart way um, financially. So Brooke, say hi. Hi, everyone. Yeah. So we're going to summarize. We're going to kind of give some top tips and tricks. Brooke is the expert. Um, So yeah, we're just going to start going and see where this takes us. So um, Brooke, I think the number one thing that I have always heard from you when I first started hearing about even thinking about, you know, thinking about my business and money and finances and really setting it up a smart, correct way. The very first thing that you said was separate your funds. Um, So when you say separate your funds, what in the world does that mean? What do, you, what do you recommend to agents? Yeah, so that's a pretty simple um, and easy thing to do, especially when you're first starting out. Uh, basically, what we want to do is we want two separate accounts for your personal and your business funds. Um, and so by doing that, what you're going to do is you're going to save yourself a lot of headache in the long run. So when you first start out, you might think, oh, I don't have that many transactions, right. not a big deal. Um, but the further you get into your business, the the more it's going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, so how do I go about actually, you said separate um, where place where my money lives, right? So separate accounts, just tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that. What do they have to go do logistically? Yep. So you'll want to open, um, likely open a new uh, checking account mm-hmm. for your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would already have your personal and then open a new one. So you funnel all of your business funds through that account. Um, It could also mean opening a new business credit card or even converting an existing personal card that you have to something that you're just using for business. Uh, Again, they don't have to be like actual business business, cards or business checking or anything like that, just separate accounts. So as long as they're separate, that's the biggest thing that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Something else um, that you had said about this, I mean, so this actually alleviates your tracking, right, along uh, in the long run. So if you need just an account of, everything you're doing in your business, this will automatically be the way that you do this. If my funds are only funneling through this checking account and my funds are only being paid for business with this one credit card and nothing else is on it, that will just make your life so much easier. Yeah. And so worst case scenario, you set these two accounts up and then at the end of the year, give your CPA or bank statement and say, yeah, this was all business. Like go through and classify it for me. Uh, It's going to cost you a little bit more for them to do that, but Uh, it will at least, you're not cer- you're not sorting through all of those personal transactions trying to figure out what was business, what was personal. Uh, it's just going to save you a lot of time and a lot of headache. Awesome. Very good. And then eventually, um, something else you recommend with separate um, checking accounts um, is maybe having even a second or third account as well on top of that. So what would that maybe that second or third account look like? Yeah. So uh, I usually recommend that everybody creates also a tax account. Okay. Um, so... At the brokerage, we can actually deposit your checks into more than one account. So if you wanted to put a certain percentage away for Mm -hmm. taxes of every single commission that you get, uh, we can directly put it into that account. It goes there. It accumulates. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, Maybe you don't even check the balance because you don't want to know what's in there. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And then the other one would be just a savings account for business. Um, Again, trying to get towards uh, like six months worth of business expenses. Yeah. which would be the ultimate goal in the long run. Um, But yeah, three accounts ideally, but 
one to start is great. It's a good place to start. Yeah. We want to make sure to start separating all your spending and income for your business away from anything personal. That's kind of yep. your number one takeaway. Yep. Um, good. And we'll get into taxes a little bit more and some of your recommendations on that as we go here a little bit further down the road. But I think the next most important topic to discuss once we have separate funds um, is deductible business expenses. This is a big, um, confusing thing. So first of all, just talk about the difference between, well, I guess misconceptions about what people think deductible or write-offs, right? <laughs> like, let's just make sure we kind of explain the, what some <coughs> misconceptions are about this. And then we'll talk about some of the key, um, business deductions to make sure you're um, keeping track of. Yeah. So, uh, as a, as a general rule, a deductible business expense is going to be something that helps you generate income. Okay. Um, so the IRS is going to say, uh, if that wasn't actually furthering you in your business, it is not a deductible business expense. Good, and that's a good rule of thumb on that. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, the other thing is just to just to not not try and take advantage of it, basically. Right. Right. Um, so we will we'll, we'll get into a little bit on yeah. some details here, um, but. Don't don't try and cheat the system. <laughs> right, right. And this is, um, you're not spending less money, right? Like every everything that is a deduction or a write-off, it is money that you're spending, yes. right? And at the end of the day, it's about just bringing down your taxable income amount, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, but on, on that uh, topic a little yeah. bit, uh, I, I'm not like the CPA that will, at the end of the year, recommend you go spend a bunch of money just so yeah. you bring down your taxable income because if you don't need to spend the money, it doesn't make sense yeah. to do so. You're still spending it, right? You're st- yeah, you're still spending it. Yeah. So if it's saving you in taxes, it's not really saving you any money if you didn't actually need uh, what you were purchasing. Love that. That's um, really good. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Good. I love that. I love that definition that kind of helps define all of this stuff really well for us. So let's talk a kind of big five, right? So car, office, meals, client gifts, and entertainment. I think these are kind of a big five, not that this is the end all be all list, but just to kind of get everyone started in the right direction. Um, so with your car, right? So, um, let's maybe not get too into the weeds on this, but basically what are the two different methods, um, that, that they can use on, um, auto deductions? Yeah. So, uh, there are two different methods. One is going to be your standard mileage deduction. And, and then the other is going to be your actual expenses. Uh, your standard mileage is going to be your total business miles for the year times whatever the IRS sets the rate at for the year. Uh, for 2022, it's 58 and a half cents mm-hmm. uh, for the first half of the year. And then the IRS actually increased it because of the cost of gas right now yeah. uh, to 62 and a half for the rest of the year. So it is a floating number, but so, not yep. always the same number. Yep. yep. I actually have never seen them change it mid-year, but uh, yeah, it changes every single year. Perfect. And then the actual is going to be all of your actual costs is a cost of owning that vehicle. Uh, so whether that be gas, uh, interest on a loan, um, car washes, anything you pay to maintain that vehicle, if you pay a garage space to uh, store it or anything like oh, that, okay. rent or anything like that, um, that is all going to factor into your actual deduction. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take the sum of all of those expenses, take it times your business use percent of that vehicle, okay. and that's going to give you that deduction okay. for the year. So a slightly more complicated method, but um, I just guess best recommendations, I'm brand new. Um, that sounds a little complicated. Should I, what should I do? Uh, so for most brand new agents, uh, they're usually converting their pers- prior personal use vehicle right. into their business vehicle. Absolutely. I usually recommend they just stick with the standard mileage deduction. Yeah. 
until they go purchase a new vehicle. And at that time, um, maybe look it's, at yeah, it's it's definitely worth it to consider both options. Okay, um, and at least work with a CPA to know what is going to be more beneficial for you. Awesome. So at the end of the day, I'm just saying start tracking your mileage. Right. So for sure, just start tracking, 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 tracking. Do you have some recommended apps and and a way that we can go about doing this without actually having to log it in a handwritten journal, which also will work. (laughs) But what are some what's some better ways to do it? Yeah, I would never recommend a handwritten (laughs) journal to a real estate agent (laughs) Um, as much as you guys drive. It's absolutely insane. Right. Uh, But honestly, the best thing you could possibly do is to download an app that's going to automatically track it for you. Yeah, good. Uh, Because it doesn't matter if you get to the end of the year and you didn't actually classify any of those miles you at least have a log and so if the IRS ever audited you you have proof that yeah you did actually drive those miles um so the one the biggest one that I usually recommend is mile IQ okay um it's pretty cheap I think 60 bucks a year if you Mm -hmm. pay for it uh, for the entire year uh QuickBooks also does it for you so QuickBooks Mm self-employed and um I think other versions the higher versions of QuickBooks also will track your mileage now so either of those um there's a lots of lots of free apps out there too that yeah. I think will do it automatically the biggest thing is that it's going to actually track it automatically yeah and not uh like cut you off with a certain number of drives or anything like that yeah excellent so it's actually it's going to track everything it's based on like yep. how fast you're going so it yep. shouldn't kick in you know if you're out on a walk or a jog but yes unless <laughs> well, you, you jog sh- extra fast <laughs> so only when you're in, in your car it's going to start doing that and all you then have to do is kind of just classify personal business as you go yep so okay. it, it's like tinder you're going to swipe right you're going to swipe <laughs> there left there you go good recommendation you just got to know which one you're doing yes exactly <laughs> good uh so start tracking our mileage is where you're going to start but then if you do go buy a new vehicle maybe look into the other method the actual instead of the the standard mileage yeah so actually no matter which method you choose you need to track your mileage yeah um, good. so you you have to know your miles either way um and as as real estate agents one of your biggest deductions actually comes from your vehicle and so if Absolutely. you're not if you're not tracking it uh that's you're out a lot of, I mean, yeah you of you could be out a lot of money you could be overestimating it yeah underestimating it whatever um, it's just one of the easiest things to do, honestly. That Absolutely. That Especially when you have an app that should. tracks yes. it. That's yeah. an, uh, so a perfect segue into office, right, and how I can have some deductions for potentially um, an office at the office, the brokerage office, or an office at home. Because one of the things I get asked about mileage is specifically, can I track my drive from offices, right? So maybe um, let's start there, and then let's dig into the home office versus office office. Yeah, so if you do pay for an office um, at our, one of our Century 21 locations, mm-hmm. um, and then you also take a home office deduction, mm-hmm. your miles between your home and the office are deductible business miles. Good to know. Good. Uh, if you do not have an office here or you do not have an office at home, um, one of the two, then it is considered commuting and you are no longer allowed to deduct those as business miles. Good, good. That's perfect. Um, so now segue into how do I know um, if I really truly have a home office and can take it as a deduction and then what does that look like if I can? Um, so a home office is going to be a segregated part of your home uh, that you can prove that you actually use exclusively for your home office. Yeah. Um, so exclusively is exclusively the big, is the important word is in that sentence. The important, yes. Yeah. Um, so that 
does not mean the kitchen table. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of people that will say, well, I work from the kitchen table all the time. Can I take business use of home? And I say, well, mm-hmm. no, nope. <laughs> no, it is not used exclusively for business. Okay. Um, so in my opinion, the, the easiest way to justify it is if you do have a separate room, um, in your home that you can say is your home office Good. and you can set up as your home office. Okay. Um, it can be as much as a desk. So if you have a, a desk, like in your living room or something like that, you can designate that as your home office, um, and just count the, the square footage around the desk. There you go. Kay. Um, that is definitely possible. Uh, but Either way, you need to make sure, especially if you have an office at the brokerage, you need to make sure that you're using your home office for administrative duties. So, Got it. say, uh, reconciling your bank account, uh, okay. bookkeeping, things like that. Uh, whereas your office at the Century 21 office yeah. or location needs to be used for like meeting with clients, maintaining your database, and um, selling, basically selling related activities. Okay. Uh, so... If you can prove both of those, then you are actually eligible to have a home office as and well as a pay for to rent an office from Century 21. So again, you take the square footage and then what else can you then count if you do are able to take the home office deduction? Yeah. So if you do qualify for the home office deduction, you're going to take the square footage of the office uh, divided by the total square foot of your home. Okay. Um, and then all of your expenses. So anything you incur to run that household mm-hmm. um so whole the whole house basically yeah. yep. so electricity utilities um home mortgage interest um anything like that your taxes yeah uh if you pay to put furniture in that office if Kay. you pay to paint that office anything specific to the office is going to be deductible okay um, anything for the entire house so say like hvac maintenance things like that those are going to be deductible uh, the biggest one that is not deductible is going to be landscaping. Oh, yes. Or Good. or anything um, that didn't actually relate to the office. So if you Good. pay to have your fridge repaired, not going to count. Yeah. Um, but everything else, for the most part, is going to count, and it's going to be subject to the percentage of the actual home office. That's awesome. Okay. Good. Um, so I have three others here, and then I thought of a, I thought of another one. Your phone. We didn't talk about a phone. So how about our cell phones? We use these for our business. Um, tell me about cell phones before we dig into meals, client gifts, and entertainment. Uh, yeah. So your your cell phone is going to be one hundred percent deductible, um, in my opinion. Anyway, some CPAs might tell you differently, but okay. Uh, you guys use it pretty much exclusively for business, right? (laughs) Um, on, on that note though, if you are sharing a line with, uh, like a family member or, uh, like your entire family is on your phone bill, um, you just want to look at your actual phone bill you're going to take the standard cost or whatever it actually costs to have that line. So there's like, there should be, uh, this is what you pay. Yep. Okay. Um, and then there's usually two lines. So per like phone number, there's usually two costs. Okay. Um, and basically what you're going to want to do is just sum up whatever relates to your actual phone line. And that's going to be your deductible amount for your phone. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We definitely use our phones. A lot. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, even when we're just making TikToks, it's for business sometimes. So yeah, literally <laughs> very <pretty> much always <laughs> good. So then I get a lot of questions about, uh, meals, client gifts, and entertainment. Um, kind of give me a summation of those three as kind of a highlights of what I do with those deductions, what I can and cannot do. Yeah, so meals is a pretty big deduction, actually, for a lot of people, especially networkers. 
Um, it is going to count for anything business related. So you take a client out and you talk about business, uh, talk about listing their house, whatever you're talking about. Um, that is a deductible meal. Okay. Um, you take a friend out and there's no business whatsoever discussed. Um, not a deductible not business deductible. meal. <laughs> okay. Uh, you take your spouse out and again, no real estate business discussed whatsoever, not a deductible business meal. Okay. Um, but for the most part, what I tell real estate agents is pretty much anyone is a potential client, right? Um, and who is going to go to lunch with a real estate agent and not ask them about the market? market. (laughs) Absolutely. Number one question. Um, So in my opinion, pretty much any meal that you're having uh, is going to qualify as a business meal. Um, And so to, for those to actually count for the IRS, you do need to keep a copy of the receipt. Good. um, And you do need to have the name of the client on that receipt. Okay, good. Okay. That's good. That's a, that's a huge one. I mean, that makes a big difference for sure. Yeah. And also those are hundred percent deductible right now. So take advantage of it. Absolutely. And that can change. So just make sure you're paying yes. attention to that years, you know, cause sometimes it's only 50%. Sometimes yep. it just depends. So good. Um, client gifts. So I know, um, you know, extraordinary experiences that we're creating for our clients. A big part of that for a lot of people is closing gifts, um, is a big instance when we're doing client gifts and there could be some others along the way. How do I handle those? Yeah, so uh, client gifts uh, have pretty much the biggest limitation on them and the fact that the IRS only allows $25 per person. No matter what. No matter what. Per year. Uh, Per year, yes. So obviously uh, if if you're selling to them years down the road, not going to count. Right. $25 per person per year, um, that is mostly applicable to things that have cash value. Yeah. so if it's something that's branded uh, and not just a branded gift card, that doesn't gift count. Cards are the, yeah, don't want to do gift cards. Gift cards yeah. are the exception. Yeah. But if, if you're doing like a, a basket and branding it, um, maybe putting putting your label on a wine bottle or putting your label on anything or putting ribbon on it that's branded uh, with your name, those are then considered advertising and marketing and no longer client gifts. Yeah. Uh, except for the gift cards. Gift except cards will always, always be limited. Be no, even if you brand the heck out of them. Person. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. Yep. So yeah, so client gifts really are limited to 25 per person unless then you can make it very branded, very, yeah, the whole yep. thing is branded. Then you can ca- use it as marketing and advertising instead. Yep. Good. Okay. Good advice on that. Entertainment. Um, so how is this different one for how is this different from meals? Um, and then how do I use this? Uh, so entertainment is going to be, um, basically anything you pay to entertain your clients. So, uh, could be a baseball game, could be playing golf. Got it. Um, anything like that is non-deductible. It has been for a really long time. Um, the only thing that is deductible in those scenarios is going to be the meals. So you can still, uh, if you take them out to a baseball game and, um, buy them all drinks and buy them all supper or whatever, um, that part is going to be deductible. But the actual ticket to go to the game uh, is considered entertainment and won't be deductible. Good, good. Okay, so definitely things to think about. So, so far we've talked about separating for sure, starting to separate your funds, um, and then just tracking all of this and kind of categorizing where they belong and following the guidelines for what is actually deductible and is not. So, um, 
So next biggest thing I want to talk about, um, entity formation. So, um, you are all sole proprietors basically right now as 1099 independent contractors. And that is what you will be unless you form an LLC or an S corp. So these are kind of the two big words, entity formation options, right? Um, so maybe just a quick definition of either and some, some recommendations on those. Yeah. So an LLC is a, uh, Limited liability corporation. I got you. <laughs> a limited liability company. Yeah. Uh, and an S corporation is uh, a corporation that yeah. has elected to be treated as an S corporation or an yeah. LLC that has been elected to be treated as an S corporation. Uh, uh, an LLC, so what we call them is an SMLLC. Uh, it's a single member LLC, which is what most of our agents form. Yep. An LLC is going to give you legal liability uh, protection. Yeah. So basically what it's going to do is it's going to protect your personal assets. Yeah. Um, so in, if you were ever sued, um, and your, you know, coverage did not cover it, uh, it would protect against them coming against your personal house and all of your personal assets. Yeah. Uh, they're only going to have access to anything in the LLC's name. Okay. Um, and S corporation just takes that a little bit further. So S corporations have been tested a lot more than LLCs have in the courts. So they've stood up to, uh, lawsuits and things like that a little bit better. Um, but an S corporation is generally not formed until you're a little bit further into your business. Okay. So I'm a new agent. I don't even need to worry about S corporation right now. I really just want to focus on an SMLLC, um, so that I have that legal protection basically. Okay. Um, how do I go about doing that? Uh, so it's actually very, very simple. You're going to want to reach out to an attorney. Um, honestly, the, the best, the best way is to actually let the professionals handle that for you. Um, so reach out to an attorney they'll ask, send you a questionnaire, ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, what you want your business name to be and things like that. Uh, Send that back to them, and usually within like a day or two, uh, they'll have some documents for you to sign, and they'll get it filed with the state. Yep. Uh, then after that, the only thing you really have to worry about is filing a report every two years with the state to keep your business active, and yep. um, that's really about it to yep. keep it. And active. it gives you a tax ID number, so that's the other part of that, right? So then you have this other... Um, instead of your social security number, you have this tax ID number for your LLC as well. Yep. Yep. So you can choose to, to file for an EIN too with the IRS and then, uh, then you're no longer using your social security number, yes. which is just a little bit safer. Awesome. Good. Um, I'm actually going to move this next one up because I think it just makes sense as, as far as we've been really talking about money and deductible expenses and things like that. So before we go into budgeting and tracking, um, let's actually just talk about taxes real quick. So I think if I'm going in the order of importance of what I want new agents to know, know and understand, it's separating your funds, start tracking as far as your deductible expenses, think about getting that LLC set up. And then the very first thing we said about those separate accounts was setting aside money for taxes. Um, so let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, it's kind of big and scary. Um, it's something I wish I would have known earlier. I kind of knew about it, but I really wasn't planning ahead for it. And that can cause some serious issues down the road. So um, what's the number one thing that we kind of need to be thinking about for taxes? Yeah, so <clears throat> a lot of agents that get into the business used to be employees. And when you're an employee, you don't have to worry about taxes. Your employer pays yes. half your self-employment tax, um, and they withhold the rest of it. So yeah. they're withholding for you. Whatever you tell them to withhold, they're withholding. You get to the end of the year, and you see, oh, I paid this much in. Uh, file your taxes. Most of the time, you're getting a refund because yeah. you, usually people overpay when they're employees. Yeah. 
Um, so that is no longer the case once yeah. you become an independent contractor. Yeah. Uh, the brokerage is not withholding yeah. anything for you. <laughs> All that commission check is right into your bank yep. and you do with you what you do with it. Yeah. Yep. So you get paid all of the money. Um, mm-hmm. And then on t- after that, you're responsible. So you're responsible for your federal taxes, your state taxes, and your self-employment tax as well. Um, and so what happens to a lot of agents is they'll kill it their first year or even, mm-hmm. even their second year. Yeah, yep. Uh, and not even consider that, hey, maybe I should have been saving for taxes this entire time. Yeah. They get to April and file their tax return oh, and all shoot. of a sudden uh, have this massive tax bill. And uh, on top of that, their CPA is also saying, hey, by the way, you're actually supposed to start paying for next year as well. Yeah, start uh, paying your quarterlies, right? Yep. Yeah. So you, so as an independent contractor, self-employed individual, you are supposed to pay estimated tax payments every quarter. And so if you end up in April, you're already behind, you're not able to make that first quarter estimate, it's only going to compound the problem yes. as you go. Seriously, not fun. So the biggest thing that I recommend to every single person starting out, I don't care if it's your first close, I don't care if it's your fifth close, right? you need to withhold something from that close yes. for taxes. Yes. Um, I would much rather, and I think everyone is probably in agreement that I would rather get to the end of the year and end up that, oh my goodness. I don't need I, all of that. I don't need all of this money. And I ha- now I have this savings account or yes. now I've, I've started saving for next year's taxes. Absolutely. Um, so I always say I recommend about 30% um, per commission check. I know that's really high when you're first starting out. Yep. Uh, So in my opinion, literally anything that you can do is better than nothing. Okay. But if we can set up maybe even, like we said, have it directly taken out of those commission checks to two separate accounts, the accounting team can do that for you so that you don't even... It's like set it yeah. and forget it, and you don't. You're yeah. not literally touching then, it. Then you don't even it. see it. You don't even know. Yeah. You just know this is what I got paid on that deal. You yeah. don't. You don't worry about it. And we understand survival mode, right? We understand that. Hey, I really need all of that. I'm not able to set some aside on this one, or I'm I'm only able to set aside a hundred dollars, not thirty percent, or something is better than nothing. But ideally, yes. if you can get in that twenty-five to thirty percent of each commission check, that's going to be the safest bet for you. Yep. Okay, good. So you mentioned quarterly, so I just want to spend a little bit of time on that Um, because I had some people in our recent class very concerned about this and really thinking ahead on their taxes, which I was super impressed with. Um, So quarterlies, tell me what those are and how to go about them. I'm first year versus I'm five years. Yeah, so basically what the IRS does at the end of the year is whatever you owe on your tax return uh, as a self-employed individual, they're going to say, hey, you should have paid that in in four quarterly installments. Uh, and so they're going to go back to Q1. Um, so the first payment is due April 15th, so the same due date as your tax return. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to go back to Q1, and they're going to say a fourth of that should have been paid in here, and we're going to start to assess penalties and interest based on what you were underpaid at that date, what you were underpaid at the second quarterly date, third quarterly date, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, these are not like significant, crazy amounts that they're assessing. As far but as penalties go. As far as yep. penalties. But it is a thing. So the yes. IRS is going to do this no matter what. Um, and so I don't recommend that first-year agents actually pay Worry in about those it. quarterlies. Right. Um, especially if you have a spouse, uh, with a W2 job. Yeah, so if, good. if they have withholding, um, th- you could honestly increase their withholding a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's going to help you out way more than actually making your quarterly payments. Yeah. So first year agents, I don't say, stress about don't it. worry about it. 
Just start um, setting aside each commission check. Yep. As long, right. as long as you're saving for it, don't worry about actually paying in your estimates. Yeah. Second year, um, I think it really depends on kind of when you started your first year. Right. Uh, and honestly, how well you're doing in your business. Yeah. Um, it's not like if I don't make the first payment, I, I, I'm done and I can't make any payments. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> you're <laughs> giving can, up. <laughs> you can literally... The IRS will take your money whenever no, yeah, <laughs> you want to give it to yep, them. Yep. So if, even if you don't make the first one, but then you have a really good second quarter and you're like, hey, maybe I should actually make a payment for second quarter. Do it. Yeah, um, Like if you're saving that money, if if you honestly just want to wait until the end of the year, do that too. Um, it's really when you get into uh, having consistent business mm-hmm, income mm-hmm. that you're going to want to start making those quarterly payments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet all of this stuff comes down to also, I mean, get, pro- get a professional's help on all of this stuff. You should not be doing taxes, especially as an independent contractor on your own. So ask, but they should be providing you once after you kind of get a good solid year under your belt, they should be prov- providing you with these quarterly estimates, correct? Yeah. So a good CPA will actually uh, sit down and run a projection for you once a quarter so that uh, they know what you should How be paying. How on track in. or not you are. Okay. Yep. And so basically in the program that's that's what we do is we every quarter assess kind of where you're at production wise and determine um hey do we need to pay more in do we need to pay less in uh do you want to wait until the end of the year to pay it like yeah uh, you just need someone to have that conversation with so you know uh and you don't get to the end of the year and you're super surprised yeah good okay um so i think yeah we've gotten kind of the big big things on money so um I'm in my first year. I'm, you know, again, separating my funds. I'm tracking my ex- expenses. I've maybe formed my SMLLC. Um, I'm setting aside money for taxes, so I'm not surprised. Um, budgeting. It's probably like the number one. I mean, it's, it's hard to really summarize, but let's maybe just give a couple top. I'm How in the world do I budget for this thing that I have no idea what I'm going to make from week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter? How do I start forward in so I'm actually having a budget for my business? Yeah, so it, it is tough uh, because your income can be so inconsistent. Um, but where I usually recommend people start is actually looking at their personal budget. Good. Um, yeah. And so you need to determine what you actually need to bring home from your business Good. to fund your personal lifestyle. Um, and so once you actually have a good understanding of how much money you need to fund that lifestyle – uh, you can actually start to set your business goals. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing to set a business goal based on, you know, what you actually need, need from first. your business. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I, I usually recommend people start. Um, and so once you understand it, you can actually go back and see like, oh, maybe I don't need to pay for Netflix and Hulu. Maybe <laughs> I can get ri- rid of one of those. Right. Uh, so you can actually see like where your, where your money is going. Yeah. Um, so what I normally tell people is like, Start tracking it. Yes, just start tracking. Just start tracking. And have your personal stuff kind of figured out first. Yeah, I don't. I don't care if you're not looking at it daily, monthly, whatever. Like, uh, start tracking it, and then when you do feel like, hey, I think I'm ready to tackle this, and you go and look at it and see where all of your money is going, that's gonna that's gonna be huge. Yeah, absolutely. And then over time, like this is kind of you know step survive, you know, financial business basics that we'll kind of dig into some other ways that we can go about recommending budgeting and how often you look at it and looking at your return on things. But for now, yes, get your personal stuff in order, start just being aware of it and tracking. And I like that. I like the set goals based on what you need for your personal life first. That's a good place to start. 
yeah. when I'm new and I have no idea what in the world my goal should be. Yes. That's good. Yeah. I like it. So we've mentioned the word tracking several times in this whole <laughs> podcast. Just start tracking, right? So um, how can we kind of um, simplify this for everyone? Where in the world should I start tracking all of this? Yeah, so a spreadsheet is a great option. Yeah, start it with no. something. Yeah, we love spreadsheets as realtors. I mean, some no. of us do. No, I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. Um, there are so many apps now uh, that doing it on a spreadsheet is not going to be your best bet. Yeah. Uh, unless you absolutely do love things like that. Like I do, build I do, I do a little bit. So, um, no, there are so many apps that will literally pull in all of your transactions for you. There you go. Um, most of them are smart enough to start to categorize it. Like once, once you categorize it that way, once it's going to, it's going to pick up on that and know that that's how it gets categorized. Good. Honestly, you could get to the point where you're not really actually doing anything. Right. It's doing it all for right. you. Yeah. Uh, so pers- on the personal side of things, I usually recommend uh, Mint, which is an Intuit product. Um, so Intuit and QuickBooks. Uh, it's it's pretty handy. Um, you connect your account. You can connect as many accounts as you want. Um, so you could use it for your entire family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to pull in all of your transactions. You're going to categorize them. You're going to see where your money's going. Um, the biggest thing in my opinion is that it does it across accounts. And so I think a lot of people, uh, don't consider maybe what is coming out of every single account that they have, whether it's credit right. cards or checking accounts. Right. Um, the other one I recommend is every dollar. Um, and that's a Dave Ramsey product. Uh, super, both of them are super simple to use. Um, mint is free. Every dollar is not. So, okay. um, kind of depends on what your goals are. Uh, which one you want to go with. There are several others too. Um, So not just limited to those. Those are the ones that I have experience with. Mm -hmm. And then for your business. Uh, For your business, I pretty much exclusively recommend QuickBooks. Yeah, Um, yeah, good. They kind of know what they're doing. So yeah, (laughs) uh, I use it for all of my clients. Um, It's very user-friendly. It does the same thing. So connect your business account. This goes back to separating your funds. It's really hard to connect an account that has personal and business going in and out of it. Yes. Um, it's going to, it's just going to make everything very messy, uh, in there. So get those accounts separated. Then you can connect your personal to mint and your business to QuickBooks and pull everything in for you. Um, I, I usually recommend, like, I don't, I don't care if you don't touch it all year, uh, set it up to go. And then at the end of the year, you can go and classify everything. Right. It'll take you a few hours, but you know, whatever you want to do, it's going to be way easier than going through your bank statement yes. line by line. Yes, absolutely. And like you said earlier, um, QuickBooks can also do your mileage. So, I mean, if you want to yep. kind of combine everything, um, can do it all kind of in two places, one for personal, one for bu- um, business, but QuickBooks can do all of those things for you for your business. Yep. And QuickBooks will give you a P&L uh, at the end of every month or however often you want to run it, honestly. Um, so you can actually see how you're doing in your business and absolutely. not just guess. And about what does that cost? What does that run agents to get QuickBooks? So QuickBooks, uh, QuickBooks self-employed will run you about $15 a month. Uh, we, through the brokerage, offer uh, QuickBooks Simple Start, which is just kind of a step up um, from QuickBooks self-employed, and that's 20 bucks a month. Okay. So I think I've heard, come see Brooke, or if you want more information on that, I've heard that before. I mean, as far as like yes. setting that up or whatever, and we can get your billing set up if you're going to do the one through us, yep. um, and we can help you get set up. Yeah, yeah, just reach out to me, email or call or stop by, whatever whatever works for you, and we can get it set up for you. Okay, good. Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this up is then, yeah, you mentioned one time, like, your clients, right? So just um, what 
financial services. So tell me a little bit about financial services. Uh, yeah, so that's my baby. Yeah, right? it is. It's important. <laughs> um, so financial services is the program we developed a few years ago, um, basically to be an in-house CPA for some of our agents. Uh, so we have a handful of agents, um, I think about 15 right now, that are in the program. Um, it's obviously offered an additional fee, but what I offer is bookkeeping. So they get a monthly P&L. Um, basically what I'm doing is I'm setting up their QuickBooks account. I'm doing all of the categorizing for them, um, uh, sending them then a P&L out of QuickBooks uh, at the end of the month. I also do their payroll. So most of them are structured as S corporations. Um, and, and as an S corp, you do have to do a payroll. Uh, so I run their payroll for them, uh, whether it be for just them or their employees. Um, and then I also do their taxes every year. So uh, that includes filing their business and their yeah. personal tax returns. Yep. But it also includes, as I mentioned earlier, the quarterly meetings where we're meeting, uh, mm-hmm. talking about their goals, talking about where they're at in their business for the year. Um, we also discuss all of the things outside of their real estate business. Yeah, so whether they, have, whether they have rentals or whatever they have going on um, in their tax situation uh, and just make sure that we're on, all on the same page going into the end of the year so there are no surprises when we actually file their tax returns. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, Brooke is brilliant. She knows her stuff, and she works with real estate agents, which is why this is so helpful for all of you. Yes. She knows how crazy <laughs> our businesses are as independent contractors and really has awesome knowledge for us. So um, wrapping this up, I just wanted to make a plug for um, – we do teach two courses on this, so just kind of keep your eyes out on the calendars for um, Financial 101, our Financial Survival Business. Basics, kind of those are the synonymous names there. Um, and then, yeah, Financial um, 201. Um, yep. Yeah, so keep an eye on, on those and come see Brooke and hang out with Brooke for those CEs. Um, and then, yeah, I think our big takeaway is get your stuff in order. First, just set it up right and start tracking. Those are kind of my biggest, ta- and then set aside for taxes are probably yep. my top three yes. things. Get your stuff set up right, start yep. tracking, and set aside for taxes. Yeah, then the sooner you can do it, the better. That's very good. Thank you so much for your time and expertise today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.